Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whenever you should happen to find this. This is Unsummoned Skull, the host with the most. <clears throat> uh, and this is uh, the fourth episode of uh, the Quote of Arms podcast. This is a podcast in which we talk about the tribes we like, what brings us together, and what they're like, how they win, why somebody would want to play it. So today I'm joined by... Hi everyone, my name is Brandon and I run the Create Commander YouTube, Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter channels. Or whatever they are on Twitter. I don't even know what that is anymore. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, well great to have you today. So what tribe is it that you uh, would like to talk about? Okay, so uh, when we first began talking about this, I w was thinking of, you know, typically I'm an elf or a goblins player or something like that, like some sort of traditional tribe. However, there is one thing that I kind of wanted to go a little bit more off the rails on you. Uh, so I am brought forth my Landfall Tribal deck, which basically is, you know, pretty much a bunch of Landfall stuff and things that care about Landfall triggers. And yeah, just play lands, get a lot of triggers from it. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So one of the cool hallmarks of tribal decks is that not only do they have some sort of a rallying cry around identity but they also are uh, they can be found on different planes in different places so would you say that there are uh, that there's support for this landfall uh tribe from several different planes i would definitely say that uh just simply because you can you obviously have the stuff from Zendikar, where you know you get the Avengers Zendikar and angry Omnath and stuff like that that really cares about um, you know landfall in particular. But then there are other places such as Ixalan, which has a card like Wayward Swordtooth that allows you to play an additional land on each of your turns, uh, or even Theros, where you have Dryad of Vilsian Grove. That allows you to play an additional land, and lands you control are every basic type. So just a bunch of different planes that can actually help your strategy, and you're not just penciled into Zendikar only. Yes, absolutely. So there's, uh, there's also a Ravnica with Life from the Loam. There's sure. um, Innistrad with Tireless Tracker. So they're from Definitely. all over the place. And so your deck winds up being kind of a mosaic of people who people and things and animals that happen to love the land right exactly and um you know like you were saying in Estrad and stuff like uh one of my favorite cards in this entire deck is actually splendid reclamation and that came from eldritch moon so in what colors would you say that this uh grouping fits there, there are a number of different landfall uh, commanders that are potentially available to you. Uh, you can go anywhere from mono green uh, all the way up to even four-color Omnath that was just released here in Zendikar Rising last year. Uh, the one that I particularly use, though, is Lord Windgrace, which is a Jund coloration, uh, black, red, and green. So which color would you say is the primary color? I, I think anytime you think of lands in magic in general, you probably have to side with green. Um, there and and that shows through in most of the deck. Uh, a good portion of 
the creatures are green, a good portion of the spells are green, a lot of the red and stuff like that, and especially black, is really a support color in this particular deck of mine. Uh, red, red being more so, it, it pretty much goes green by a large margin, and then red, and then black is, if you can splash a color in EDH, I guess, that would be the splash in this particular deck. Awesome. So, <clears throat> yeah, so it's sort of like the Lorax, I belong to the land, and stuff like that. Yes. <laughs> Very Speak nice. to the trees. <laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. So this is very much green-based, and I that, that was also clear from the list of cards that we went through. I believe most of them, if not all of them, were green. Uh, green or splashing a color. You know, Angry Omnath splashes red, and that was one of the examples as well. Uh, so before we talked about commanders, we were talking about like the different cards and planes that they come from. Uh, that, that's the oh. part of the conversation I was referencing. So, yes, yes. Yeah, I believe most or all of those, because there's also, like, uh, there's the Valakit card that is an enchantment with Landfall. Uh, that would be in red. I remember... Yes. Uh, we used to, with uh, with Fetchlands, we used to play... Uh, <clears throat> used to play, it was like a Boros Landfall deck in standard with uh, the original Zendikar. That was, that was a nasty deck with uh, Step Boros? Boros Landfall sounds... Kind of amazing because obviously four color, four color Omnath. Yeah, the only coloration that 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 Omnath doesn't have now basically is black. Mm -hmm. um, so having a red white focused landfall deck is really interesting sounding to me. Well, that was in um, in standard, I believe. Uh, right. Another member of the server, his name is uh, Ben. Uh, ben D also has. Uh, um, I believe he has a red-white deck that, that operates uh, based on Landfall. Uh, it's his Avacyn deck. Oh, that's very lovely. I like that a lot. <laughs> in fact, he drew through his whole deck in one turn, and then I decked him with uh, <laughs> Blue Sun Zenith for one. Oh, I mean, honestly, straight up, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be very, very honest with you. If there's a way to go... Uh, I, I would much rather fall on my own sword drawing all the cards than yep. not. <laughs> so. mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. But it's also good to have a discard effect, so if somebody does try sure. to do that, you can just uh, seismic assault and chuck a bunch of mountains at them. Uh, yeah, that's that's very true. Uh, the, my, my particular deck is um, kind of mill-protected, so to speak. Uh, I have... Um, the Ulamog that when it hits the grave, it shuffles the graveyard back into the library kind of thing. Uh, yes, um, but the, the Valakit uh, Exploration, I think, exiles the cards. Oh, okay. Got it. When it exiles them, you can play them until end of turn. And okay. it's, it's usually used like a card draw effect, but he had so many landfall triggers that it was it wound up being used almost just to to as a, act as a mana severance for the one card he needed. Very nice. Unfortunately, he's right. too far down and Blue Sun Zenith got him. <laughs> but um, still amazing. So yeah. <laughs> So assault loan is a traditional strategy involving uh so involving lands, involving loam, and especially involving the the gruel or jund uh groupings. Sure. 
Is that one of the? Uh, is that part of the aesthetic of the deck, or is it, uh, is it so, not as much about the recursion aspect? Actually, so it, this deck really leans much, much, much more on the um, land recursion part. Uh, you know, crack and fetch land. You know, crucible of worlds, get it back, kind of thing, um, or reshape the earth and that sort of thing. What this deck really focuses on doing is it's it's really a combat deck. The, I, I purposely dumbed my deck down to where it did not have infinite combos. It did not have any of that kind of stuff in it. Um, it just had a bunch of good Jundi value pieces for uh, landfall. And like, for example, uh, Zendikar Rising, um, Morogue, uh, Fury of Akum, that creature uh, that uh, gives you the extra combats with landfall and stuff like that. Yeah, especially um, if you can do extra combats with Worm Harvest. Yeah, so yes. So Worm Harvest, um, Morog, jeez, uh, just stuff like that. Essentially essentially, what I wanted to always do in this deck is have Morog out on the field and then cast uh, Reshape the Earth that came out in Commander Legends. Mm-hmm. Um, just 10 lands, boom, right there, plop, <laughs> you know. Or scape shift, whatever, whatever you can happen to get on there. Just get all the combats with, you know, Avengers, Zendikar, Bayloths, or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. You know, just uh, it's very much a, this one is very much a combats deck, and it's not intended to be combo off and you know beat everybody with a combo out of nowhere. You kind of really see it coming if so to speak, but you can't really counter a land. You can right. counter the trigger, but you can't really counter playing a land. So thinking about sort of the identity, so this sure. is a, so the lands matter, and you're talking about playing them out from the hand, playing them from the grave, playing them even, maybe maybe even from exile, if you have a few different ways to do that, like maybe Oblivion Sower or Valkyrie Reclamation. Um, so what does that, what do you think that sort of looks like in the game itself? So the deck playing it, it's really just about trying to get, when, when Grace is obviously a, a planeswalker, mm-hmm. um, he's one of the plane, uh, planeswalkers from, I think it was 17 or 18. I can't remember what set that was from now. Um, but the whole point of the deck itself is to really get one of the value engines out and going, uh, such as I've thrown the Gitrog monster into the 99, right? Um, Phileth from Zendikar Rising is in there. Uh, Angry Omnath, as I've mentioned, is also in there. Getting one of these value engines out there and then just playing and plopping down a bunch of lands to where I'm making a bunch of plant tokens or a bunch of beasts or elementals and or whatever it might be is is really the main main goal of the deck and just trying to make some tokens and go a little bit wide actually uh just at you know the expense of simply playing a land for turn and getting a bunch of triggers mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's really the identity of the deck to be honest with you is just get a value engine out Simply play a land for turn, trigger, 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 and 
pretty much this deck is one of the reasons that I purchased some infinite tokens. <laughs> yeah, trigger the lands until you trigger the opponent. Uh, yeah, it will, and that's another thing about this particular deck is if you have a bunch of value engines on the battlefield, you can certainly, um, turns can take a minute if you don't know how to play it well, so this is definitely one that I recommend people sit down and kind of goldfish, uh, if possible, you know, print out some proxies, goldfish it, just kind of see how the thing functions so that you're ready because it's not... It's not impossible to legitimately take a, a five plus minute turn with this particular deck, if you, especially if you have an engine that allows you to play stuff out of the graveyard or multiple lands per turn and stuff. So it's like land for turn, boom, trigger, 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 do all that stuff. Okay, second land for turn, trigger, 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 trigger. And the value for you is great. The value for your opponents is sitting there and watching you do stuff. Sometimes. Well, at least it's, it's but then, based but, on but then, but then they get smacked for it, yeah, so, okay. <laughs> you know. At least it's based on triggers instead of lines, because that's mm -hmm. a lot easier, that's a lot uh, harder to pick up. If it's something like, okay, you need to have, if you have X, Y, and Z out, uh, V happens. Right. Uh, and th that's a lot harder to just hand somebody. But if it's, okay, your, your goal is to play lands from anywhere you can play lands from, and activate things. It's a lot easier to hand somebody and, and for them to figure out. Certainly. Yeah, and, and, and like you mentioned, though, I mean, I've played this deck for a couple of years now, and even now I'll, if I'm not paying attention, I'll, just, I'll miss a trigger sometimes or whatever, and it's like, oh, all right, well, I missed out on, you know, two or three pieces of value because I just plopped on it and forgot you know so that that sort of thing happens and uh it's okay you know don't don't think that it's not you know miss if you if you tell if you're a magic player you've missed a trigger in your life i oh, don't yeah. care who you are unless this is your very first game and then you probably missed a trigger right mm -hmm. so yeah yeah you probably miss a trigger for at least one thing even if it's something that's technically not a trigger, like untapping lands. It's still, a, it's still considered, it's still missing something. Even though it's not technically a misbeneficial trigger, and it does wind sure. up just happening anyways. It still, uh, people miss it. All right. Yeah. I, I, yep. I was responding to somebody on Twitter actually at one point, and they were like, you know, what is your what is your idea of a successful game? And my idea of a successful game is actually not even winning or losing or whatever. Yes, of course, it's great to win. Uh, I, I personally like to have fun uh, with the games. I like the decks to be evenly matched. And realistically, I like things to go pretty close. But my greatest achievement would be to play through a single uh, commander game and not miss a single trigger. Because I'm not even joking. I'm guarantee you in my years of playing i cannot think of a game where i haven't missed at least one so that would be my success story of the day yeah for for me uh thinking about a successful game it's also not winning it's uh not necessarily anyways that just happens but sure. for me it's i want to do something i've never seen before that's one of the reasons why I keep building new decks is because they're designed to do things I haven't seen before. 
Yeah, maybe fair, it's use 100%. a card in a new way. Maybe it's uh, win a game using a different card. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's not even something that I personally do. But mm. I want to experience something I've never experienced before. That's why I keep playing. Hey, everybody's got their own reasons and way and and ways they play Magic or reasons to keep going, mm-hmm. and. That is uh, a, definitely an honorable way to look at it. And realistically, I think that the commander community in general would probably be a little bit better off if we focused less so much on the win and more so on the you know, overall gameplay effect. Just because, you know, yes, you can obviously lock out a game and draw a game with 100 different combos. But if you draw a game, I mean, what's the point? You know, you guys just wasted an hour, you know? Yeah. Or you folks, I guess I should say, just wasted an hour. Um, whereas, it, I, I, I like to, obviously, I like to see a conclusion to a game. And whether I win or lose, I, I'll say this to till the cows come home. My my favorite game of 2020 was a game that I played against uh, Chain of Commander. Uh, shout out, by the way. Um, awesome to a gentleman we both know. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in uh, on a spell table pod with him and some other and two other fine folks. And he and I got down to the final final end there and I was playing a uh, I was playing Brown and Shabraz. So the cycling mm-hmm. deck. And he would do something with his Enchantress deck and I would you know, the stack just got ridiculous because he would do something and then I would cycle and then he would do something and I would cycle. I'm not even kidding you. I ended up decking myself just because I lost that game because I decked myself. But the gameplay itself was so much fun. It didn't matter that I lost. I, I'm, I'm happy that he won. I'm happy for him. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that we enjoyed the time together and had that moment that I, I know I won't forget that moment in my commander game playing, you know, memories. But, you know, and it's much like uh, much like this particular deck here. Like, I, I know that there was a period of time where I was playing, I think, against Chain again and uh, another one of the friends of our channels, um, Neo. And this deck just went absolutely bonkers and put a bunch of stuff on the battlefield. And they were like, yeah, okay. And, you know, they just they couldn't take the beats you know and that's just one of the things this deck can do is if if it functions great man it is tough if it doesn't function great and you're not getting your landfall triggers or you don't get a value engine it's it's definitely one of those that's kind of feast or famine uh, let's just put it that way if that makes sense it does uh, do you have ways in there for the deck to win from a bad position? Uh, de- define bad position, and I might be able to help you. Um, the other three players have more developed boards than you, and you don't have the draw engine ready. Uh, so the draw engine ready, essentially it would completely depend upon what pieces I do have in place. So... Let's say you have three I, relatively I, developed opponents and one of them Bajuka bogged you. Uh, Bajuka bogged me. 
Majuka bog meet will probably shut down, obviously, the uh, um, Splendid Reclamations and stuff like that of the world, but I still do have Reshape the Earth and Escape Shift and some other stuff in here, um, you know, to kind of get myself back in it, so long as I do have some form of an engine. Like, if you if you give me a Phylath or a Rampaging Baloth or, or anything like that at that point, or heck, at that point, a Gitrog monster where I can scapeshift, throw a few lands in the yard, draw some cards, or make some beasts, whatever it is, it the deck can turn itself around in basically if you just get the right draw. If you go land, 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 uh, which can happen, you know, in a, in a thing like this where you have, you know, typically more lands than I like to put in a lower CMC deck. It's hard for me to kind of get all these things across. Typically, if I have a CMC deck that's three or under, I usually don't put as much lands in the deck as I do in this particular one. Mm -hmm. So I have seen where I've gotten mana flooded uh, a few times. But if in the event of needing to rebuild my board state or whatever, somebody wraths, for example, um, I also have a few wraths in here that like toxic, toxic deluge or plague wind um stuff like that just to be able to you know kind of hit the reset button and then that way ideally if i have one of my value engines within the next turn or two i should be back in it so if you're playing more lands what would you think of a card like azuri's predation uh, azuri's predation is Makes a four four for each creature, and yeah. for each creature your opponents have, and then fights those creatures. So that would not only wipe the board, but it would make a board state. Yes, and Azuri's Predation, being recently reprinted um, in the newest Commander set, actually is is one of the cards that I've really been just enamored with here recently. Mm -hmm. um, just because, you know, the Quandrix commanders that double up tokens and and that sort of thing really make that thing go crazy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, it costs eight mana, but if I'm playing more lands than anybody else, or ideally playing more lands than anybody else, that shouldn't, eight mana should not be the problem. So, I think, um, I think Azuri's Predation is a, is a fantastic card. I don't particularly have it in the deck just because this this particular deck list that i have here uh hasn't hasn't changed at all since commander legends came out and i obviously have a few more things with caldheim and modern horizons 2 coming up and some other stuff like that that i'm gonna have to uh kind of relook at this thing and see if there's anything else that you know doesn't necessarily combo but kind of really fits the theme that i want it to be yeah, another one that that works in terms of being like a singular board state card that I'll sometimes put into some of these graveyard decks that are doing shenanigans <clears throat> but aren't producing a board state. Be something like Army of the Damned. That one's mm. from original Innistrad. Yeah. yeah, that was uh, that. That's the one that makes the zombies. Ah, uh, thirteen. Yep. Yep, thirteen zombies. I mean, that's and then flash. It's hard, hard to hard to beat that, you know. <laughs> And then flashback, so even if you happen to mill it while you're doing your uh, Life in the Loam shenanigans, mm -hmm. you can always just cast it from your graveyard and make a board state out of nowhere. Yeah. 
yeah, this is definitely one. And and realistically, like I said, with a bunch of different cards, Ancient Green Warden is a perfect example as well. Um, just you have Ancient Green Warden out. You can play lands from your graveyard, lands entering the battlefield to cause a triggered ability, such as Landfall, uh, to happen. Triggers an additional time, so doubling up those triggers just with Ancient Green Warden and, you know, take your pick, you know, Baylos. Okay, well, one land now gets you, you know, one fetch land now gets you four beasts because you can play it from your graveyard, you know, trigger, trigger, crack it, trigger, trigger, you know, and you're realistically even if even getting four or four four beasts at that point just having that ability is it, it can rebuild pretty quick um and people are less likely to swing into uh something that can generate four four beasts you know at least four of them a turn you know especially when the other two creatures are five seven and six six so you get to definitely play some bigger beefy stuff um, kind of more mid to the later game. This is definitely not the fast deck, like I mentioned. This is mm-hmm. definitely not the deck that's going to win turn three to five. Mm-hmm. Not there. Not there. But right. uh, I do have a couple of pet cards in here um, that if you'd like to talk about them, uh, I would love to talk about them. Absolutely. Um, one of them is, the, and don't, don't shoot the messenger here, mm-hmm. um, one of them that I absolutely love is Spore Frog. Hmm. So Spore, Spore Frog is in this deck simply as a like one drop, you know, kind of. Again, this this deck is really meant and built to go later in the game. Mm-hmm. So you know, if I can fog a combat that's going to do a lot of damage to me early enough or whatever to kind of just maintain. It's really what it's there for. Do you have and then, to run Earths, or is it just for a one-shot? Uh, I mean, I do have Eternal Witness to get it back and some stuff like that, um, if necessary. But, uh, let's see, what was the what was the other what was the other one in this deck that I love? Forgetting here. Oh, uh, Vexing Shusher. I love Vexing Shusher just because of the you know it makes great use of the hybrid mana, and paying one yes of course you know rampaging Bailoth is already costing me six. I would much rather pay seven for it to make sure that it doesn't get countered, mm-hmm. um, or Avengers Endicar or you know whatever you know. Interesting. So those are th- those are two of my pet things that I that are in here. That I could definitely probably sw- swap them out for, you know, something quote unquote better. Um, but I just I like those two cards and they're in here because they have at least a little bit of utility that I think they're good for. Um, and then finally the uh, finally the other one that I probably talk way too much about, um, especially if you watch my. <laughs> most recent video on Chatterfang. Um, tireless Tracker is in here. So obviously if I reshape the Earth with a Tireless Tracker out, I'm going to be making 10 clue tokens. I I just, I like making stuff like that and being able to make clue tokens and draw cards and stuff like that. It just, that, that's what I like to do. Isn't the cool thing is making like, a bunch of tokens that way? 
Mm-hmm. Maybe something like... Uh, what's that? So there's a four drop that destroys all artifacts and enchantments and then make a 3-3 three, three for each of them. That would be an interesting, uh, interesting thought. Hmm. Although it does hit some of your other things and you might not want that. Like, you don't necessarily want to take out your own... Uh, way to get your lands back uh, yeah I mean if I you know if it means me losing my crucible of worlds or something like that if I don't have a, a Ramanap excavator or or something like that um, you know ancient green warden or whatever it might be uh, that might be something that I might not be too excited about but at the same time like I mentioned I do have eternal witness um, I you know could yeah. ideally, I do have demonic tutor in here. So if I'm like, oh, okay, I I really need that crucible of worlds back. If I'm holding a demonic tutor, I can just go get it. You know, so I do have a couple of the tutors in here. I do have a couple of the more expensive artifacts, like uh, um, Sensei's Divining Top in here. That's just another pet card of mine. I've loved that card for years now. I cannot believe that it's almost seventy five dollars, and that just I, hurts my brain. I pulled one of my first booster pack. The third oh, champs. Goodness, <laughs> I had no idea how good it was. It's just an uncommon. Uh, yeah, uh, seventy-five dollar uncommon. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy to me. Again, that that's uh, that's easily a card that could be reprinted, but uh, it, and it will be reprinted in every single one of my decks that I want it to be via the cannon that's in the other room. So <laughs> uh, it has been reprinted with a different art. Oh yes, yes, it was. Uh, what was that? Uh, it's a master set. Yeah. Can't remember which one it is. One of them. Modern Modern Masters? Eternal Masters. I don't don't know. Uh, It was reprinted once with a different art. I know that much. Because uh, I've seen the play net with it. Um, Mm -hmm. Yep. So, another question. So, what would you think of, say, Seasons Past? Because I'm hearing you talk about tutors and you have a, a late game grindy deck. Uh, let me look that up here real quick. Uh, return any number of cards with different converted mana cost from your graveyard to your hand and put Seasons Pass on the bottom of its owner's library. So if you return um, a tutor, then that's a slow loop and you just you, you accumulate value that way. Yeah, I, I can definitely I can definitely see that as being very useful. Um, how much the question is, is how much are cards like these? And the answer is it's about four bucks. So, yeah. oh man, Christine Choi's art is amazing. Mm-hmm. By the way, oh, yeah, cause um, that's, yeah, that's my Umori deck is a green black uh, spell slinger, uh, where Umori <laughs> comes out and names sorcery, and so I do that loop, but it's cheaper. Umori ah. also makes my ramp spells cheaper. It's it's Very another nice. gross deck. And so it has a similar access, though, and it's also a relatively slow deck. But mm-hmm. once it gets that engine going, it's it's going to ha- it's going to win eventually. <laughs> it's, right. Either it's going to outvalue everybody, or somebody's going to exile the graveyard, and then I just play a big sorcery. But it's 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 going to happen. This is kind of the idea. Right. Exactly. And, um, like a couple, so another thing that, um, the deck can easily be turned into a more combo route kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, like Togo, 
for example, um, the oh. Uncommon from Commander Legends. Oh, yeah, that's another cool new uh, red yeah. pseudo-landfall creature. Exactly. So, uh, you know, obviously, it's it's kind of landfall. See, these are the kind of cards that I, will, I really enjoy and I really like because they're landfall without so much saying landfall because they say, much like Tireless Tracker, whenever a land enters the battlefield. Um, and for anybody listening, obviously, whenever a land enters the battlefield under control, create a colorless equipment artifact token named Rock, uh, you know, Togo Make Rock, uh, blah, blah, blah. When it's equipped, sacrifice it, deals two damage to any target, equip has one, that sort of thing. Um, that paired up with uh, also a Commander Legends thing, Kodama, you know, of the East Tree, whenever another permanent including a land, enters your battlefield under your control. If it wasn't put on the battlefield with this ability, you may put a permanent card of equal or less CMC, converted mana cost or mana value, whatever you want to call it these days, from your hand onto the battlefield. Uh, that partnered with something like a Cloudstone Curio, you make a big loop or whatever. Um, you can also use Kadama and Togo with even the bounce lands like uh, Golgari Rot Farm, um, you, you're just gonna you're gonna get infinite landfall triggers at that point, um, and whatever value engine that you happen to have out at that point, whether it's Avenger making your plants giants, or uh, you know you're just making beast after beast after beast, it, it's that's just it, if I was going to go a combo kind of route, something like that is more likely the direction that I would take, just because it, it's. You know, Kadama's a six-mana creature, so it's big, right? It's mm -hmm. not something that you're just going to be able to plop out turn two and be like, hey, guys, I won. You know, that's that's not really what I'm necessarily about. Like, I, I don't necessarily like to play that way. Mm -hmm. yeah. That makes sense. There are some interesting things, though, with regards to the extra land drops. If you're playing, um, if you're playing the exploration effects, it sounded like you had at least one with Wayward Swordtooth and mm -hmm. Bounce Lands. Be able to reuse yep. and reuse some things like that. Also, things like uh, tunneling geopede. Uh, tunneling geopede. I'll have to look that one up. That's from uh, Battle for Zendikar. It's a three mana, three two, with landfall, and whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, it deals one damage to each opponent. Oh yeah, see that that's that right there is the kind of stuff that I really like. Like um, even. Uh, Oh, what's the ones from the retreats? Mm -hmm. So uh, Hagra, uh, like I the... love that one. Sorry, uh, I love Retreat to Hagra. Right. Yes. Okay. So Retreat to Hagra. Um, you know, effects like that interest me more, and in just trying to see what happens with this than necessarily. You know, going large and in charge and mm -hmm. and whatever. Um, I like e even even having something like a Coom Hellkite or whatever. If I can just keep bouncing a mountain back to my hand and playing a mountain or whatever, just smacking people for two damage with a Coom Hellkite landfall trigger, that interests me more than putting together some combo like you know. All right, here it is. This is uh, this is everything. Here it is on the board. You know, good luck, guys. <laughs> you know, that's 
that's the kind of stuff that interests me a lot more. Yeah, I can see oh. that. It's always nicer to have an interactive style rather than, okay, can anybody mess with this? No, I guess I win. Yeah, that 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 really bears no... That doesn't bear much interest to me. I... I like to I like to have that kind of interaction of all right, you know, my plant tokens have become, you know, six sixes just in two turns, um, and I have like eight of them. Can you block any of them? Or you know, you know that, that don't get me wrong, that's great, that's mm -hmm. awesome, that's fun to a certain extent, but have being able to be like okay. Here, this is going to do this, and this is going to do this. Can you do anything about this? And this is also, by the way, going to trigger this. You know, just, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. The bigger brain stuff like that really interests me. And while it might not be the most, quote-unquote, competitive mm -hmm. um, thing, it, it's, it's something that definitely interests me more than just... Here it is. I win the game. Um, well, we're talking competitive. You're talking to somebody who like will give themselves a lich and then use final parting or not final parting. What was that? Um, give yeah. yourself a lich and then make everybody's life total zero. Right. Yeah, or simple things like uh, uh, here, okay, here's a card for you that I haven't mentioned yet. Um, Perilous forays. Perilous forays. I love in this deck because it's like oh okay here it is. I made a I made a plant. Okay, I'm going to tap this, sacrifice a plant, go find another basic land. Basically, I can get all my basic lands out of the deck just with Perilous Forays, you know? And then, obviously, that's landfall trigger after landfall trigger after, you know, I've, I have this beast token that I'm making or whatever, and, you know, I just sacrifice the new beast token and make another one, sacrifice new beast token. So... By the time it's all said and done with my whole turn, I may not be up by any more, you know, beast tokens. But the next turn, I got every basic land that I have in my entire deck, mm -hmm. right, you know, from ready for my use. So that that kind of stuff is is fun for me. Yeah. <clears throat> and if you're playing a deck with straight up lines, then you're probably not going to surprise yourself. You'll just play a line. Yeah, and it's a it's more about people having playing a land in Magic is not necessarily considered to be that devastating, mm -hmm. and I just like it when I do play a deck like this where it's like, oh, okay, you know, that's not really you know, oh, he's just going to be playing lands. You know, that, that's my favorite thing, when somebody's just like, oh, yeah, he's just going to be playing a bunch of lands. One of my favorite. Yeah, yeah you're right. I am going to play a bunch of lands, and I'm going to get a lot of value from it, you know? <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite wins uh, in any format of all time, was in a, I believe it was in uh, an extended PTQ. So this was a while hey. ago. It was extended. It still existed. And I was playing a Scape Shift deck. It was a Tamar-colored Scape Shift deck. And I, I couldn't afford, or at least they didn't have 
one breeding pool, and so I was playing one extra mountain. So my opponent mm-hmm. let me scape shift because uh, I was playing against uh, Soul Sisters, so they had a, a gaudy life total already. Sure. So the opponent, uh, so my scape shift resolved. I was trying to see just how much I could possibly deal, and I still had one card in hand. So they didn't believe that I could mathematically do enough to eliminate them, but they weren't counting on me playing a land for the turn. <laughs> I'm gonna escape shift uh, for as much as I can possibly do, and then play a land for a turn. Wait, you had one more? Yeah, most decks play sixteen. I'm playing seventeen. <laughs> Love it. See, that's that right there. Yes, I. I yes, that all of that. Um, just now. Let, let's let's be honest here. If I sit down to a table, and you, you definitely have to pick your pods carefully mm-hmm. with a deck like this. If you if you're playing in a go fast pod, you're not going to have that much fun. Um, same thing, like you know, if you sit down the, and the person sitting across the table from you is playing a Zozu deck, you should not play this deck. You know, it's because landfall. I mean, Zozu is whenever land comes into play, Zozu is going to deal two to you for each land. Oh yeah, Zozu would be a that comes really in. bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zozu, Zozu would make your life very, very, very bad. Um, but I definitely don't recommend <laughs> playing against a Zozu deck with this particular, um, or kill it like immediately like don't don't worry about anything else like heck with the eldrazi that's sitting over there or, or whatever the zozu's gonna kill you before the eldrazi will so yeah um one of the things you could think about uh, granted there, there are gonna be some tables that are just bad for you but uh yeah, yeah, also, but uh if, if you're going against like an aggressive table you could put in cards like a uh, pulse of mirasa which is one of my favorite uh, mm-hmm. of those types of effects, because gaining sure. six life is big game. And yeah, it returns a creature or land from the graveyard to the owner's hand, so that can allow you to either get a land, uh, get something for landfall later, or buy back that big Avenger that they that they uh, got rid of. Right. So you could insert some of those cards, like Grim Discovery. I'm not sure is in there, but. Inserting some of those cards that uh, are both that are good offensively and defensively can help shore up the early game if that's something that that the deck has as sort of a weakness. Yeah, but and also that's definitely something say, I would definitely want to consider. Um, I know Pulse of Marasa has been on my radar for a little while because while, like you mentioned, um, you gain six life out of it, and sometimes. You know, even even a six life, when because I don't I don't have all the fancy uh, you know fancy old dual lands and stuff like that. So if I'm gonna go fetch a forest, for example, I'm gonna go get a um, stomping ground. You know, so if I want that to come in untapped, well, that fetch land and that stomping ground just cost me three life. Mm-hmm. And then then people are gonna be smacking me early game anyway because I'm not gonna have much out. If I do, it's gonna be like a bird of paradise. Or something like that, you know, Spore Frog. <laughs> yeah, I don't have anything really threatening early game, so even just getting that six life back, essentially that can take care of 
two cracks of a fetch land and two free shock lands. So that's definitely something that I, I need to really look at. Because um, I have even... I've even gotten to the point where I've had a board state wide enough where somebody did not want to actually attack into me, mm-hmm. but just for me to get my deck to function, um, and cracking fetch lands and stuff like that and going and getting even basics, uh, I actually ended up essentially killing myself just because every time you pay life, you have to lose life. <laughs> yeah, that, them are, those are the breaks sometimes, eh? That's the rules. That's what they say. That's what they told me anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, no one ever told me life was going to be this way. Okay. Anyways, great place to end because we are friends. So, <laughs> hope you have a, a wonderful day because uh, so this has been the Quote of Arms podcast with uh, Brandon from Create Commander on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram. And your host with the most has been Unsummoned Skull. Uh, so J Row the Unsummoned Skull, who can be found at twitch.tv backslash Unsummoned Skull. Uh, <clears throat> on Twitter at coach underscore J underscore R O. And on Discord with the skull symbol. Thank you very much. I hope you have a wonderful day.